0: to change so long as you don't have it all together you'll fit right in the round reminds us we're all active participants as we stay on this journey together we're all here to receive something this morning we also all have something to give so as we soak in the grace and truth of God's love we can also pour out love by serving others Chad walked you through the uh, seven seven serve day which is going to be great fun you guys won't really have to change anything on that day uh, we're going to cancel all three services on 7-7, and we're going to meet at the elementary school at 9-15, and then disperse from here. So we'll try to communicate that as many times and ways as possible, so that the half of you that still forget it will at least be without excuse, uh, but 9:15 on that 7-7, we will, we will meet here and... Disperse. Now, if you were here last week, you may remember that I said summers at Davidson Elementary School are a laugh a minute. If you've never been with us over the summer, enjoy yourself. So, this week we pull in, there's portable buildings or learning cottages, uh, excuse me, parked crookedly, you know, so taking about half the parking lot. Uh, the other thing that, so who knows what'll happen. The, the other thing we learned is we know we always have to be out of the gym for one Sunday. We learned a week and a half ago that this year we need to be on the gym two Sundays. Because it's this is becoming a K-8 school. And so that means they need to take the floor all the way down, repaint it, put a mascot, they say, somewhere on the floor. I'll believe it when I see it. And um, uh hopefully it'll be a fierce tiger, not a little playful tiger. You can you imagine being an eighth grader and it's like a little cuddly tiger as your mascot? That's not gonna work. So all that to say they need two sundays we learned this a week and a half ago so seven seven serve day is in place next sunday the thirtieth is the other sunday they need so you don't need to change anything we're going to just we're gonna do our worship services uh... but we're gonna do them in the cafeteria so it'll be just the same the only difference will be we will do kids zero to five on that day so if if you're a kid six to about eleven you, you you'll get to be uh, be in here. I guess technically that's their space usually, so we're joining them technically. But uh, but that that's the thing. So next week, because we already we're gonna have to gear up for seven seven. So so I realize we probably just need to power down for six thirty. We'll do a great service, but it'll be um, uh, it'll be in the cafeteria, and then we'll be preparing ourselves to serve the community on seven seven. That makes sense, so that's the next few Sundays, Uh, and it's a great way if we get to serve the school so they do get their floor refinished and they'll be ready for for the new school year. And then as Chad pointed out, the best Sunday of the year is the Sunday after the floor gets refinished, the 14th. The jokes are a little bit funnier that day last week we started a series of sermons on living by faith on hebrews chapter 11 hebrews 11:6 6 says this it says without faith it is impossible to please god without faith it is impossible to please god and then hebrews chapter 11 after this goes on and names person after person from the old testament that's the part of the bible that predates the earthly ministry of jesus Person after person from the Old Testament who lived by faith. And what's so interesting about that list of people is that it's all kinds of different people. And they, the way they lived by faith looked different for each one of them. In other words, there's no cookie-cutter person who lives by faith. There's no cookie-cutter way to live by faith. And that's the good news. Now, here's the hard news. It is difficult to live by faith now you probably already knew that right and in other news the Pope is Catholic it is difficult to live by faith and yet God wants us to live by faith so what does it look like to live by faith what does it look like to live by faith in our family what does it look like to live by faith on the job what does it look like to live by faith in the neighborhood. What does it mean to live by faith as people who live in a wealthy part of a wealthy country? What does it mean to live by faith? What does it mean to live by faith when your world has been turned upside down? Hebrews 11 teaches us that living by faith means trusting the unseen God. Trusting the unseen God, especially His good character and redemptive plan. You and I can come to trust God, even though we have not seen God. We trust that He's good. We trust that He wants what's best for us. We trust that He has a plan, that it's a good plan, it's a redemptive plan, and He is working out that plan, even in the midst of hardship. And then we can start to act based on that trust. This is what it means to live by faith, to act based on that trust. Now, at this point, there is a long line of people, billions of people, in fact, who have lived by faith. If you have ever seen the line on free Cone Day at the Ben and Jerry's, this is a longer line than even that. I always think, I'll just come back on expensive Cone Day. The line is really short that day. But there's this long, long line of people who have lived by faith, and you and I, because it is difficult to live by faith, we are served well to find a person or persons who are further up in this line than us, who, who can be a guide, an example, a mentor of what it means to follow Jesus, of what it means to live by faith. The flip side of this is that there are people behind us in this line too. There are people who look to us, whether we know it or not, as their example, their guide in what it means to live by faith and what it means to follow Jesus. And so we always want to be a church that takes time to turn back and help another person, someone who's investigating the faith, someone who's new to their faith, someone who's struggling in their faith, take time to turn back and help them learn or relearn what it means to follow Jesus, what it means to live by faith. Today the verse we want to look at in Hebrews 11 is this. Hebrews 11:29. By faith the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to do so they were drowned. By faith the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to do so they were drowned. This is referring to a book of the Old Testament called Exodus, and this is the parting of the Red Seas. This is one of the more famous accounts of the whole Bible. Even if you don't know much about the Christian faith, you might have some familiarity with the parting of the Red Seas, or you've seen the Disney movie or something like this. But it's from the second book of the Bible, the book of Exodus, Exodus chapters 14 and and 15. Joe read part of this for us earlier, so I want to walk through some of those chapters for us and then suggest three takeaways for living by faith. Good? Very good. Second book of the Bible, Exodus. In this book, God's people, the Israelites, are enslaved. They are enslaved in Egypt. The leader of Egypt is someone named Pharaoh. You may have learned that in school. And this particular Pharaoh is a very brutal taskmaster. He keeps putting higher and higher demands on the enslaved Israelites and so God sends a number of plagues against Egypt so much so that the Pharaoh says you guys need to go you Israelites need to go and no sooner has those words gotten out of his mouth than Moses who's the leader of God's people Moses says it's time to go and so they start it's kinda like a mad dash they're grabbing what they need to grab and they get out of Egypt they get far far away from their oppressors and they settle on the banks of the Red Sea this is when Pharaoh starts to check his spreadsheets and he realizes something when you have an economy built on free labor and you let the free labor leave labor costs are going to go up which is going to drive profitability down which is difficult if you are the Pharaoh and you like to live a luxurious life on the backs of other people. And so as the Israelites are camped there near the Red Sea, they start to hear a sound, they start to hear a rumble. Verse 10, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. So we have a bad situation here. God's people are the meat in a bad sandwich because on one side they've got the Red Sea and on the other side they've got the Egyptian army and they are stuck in the middle. So what are they going to do? Remember that these people are uh, esteemed in the Bible for how they lived by faith. So how are they going to handle this difficult situation? As one wise person once said, being the meat in a bad sandwich. How are they going to handle this? Verse 11, they said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? The Israelites, and this is a very important theological term, the Israelites totally flip out. They start saying crazy things about this. Crazy things like, Moses, we had it great being enslaved in Egypt. What have you done to us? Now, I find this refreshing at some level because I know I do and say things like this. I, I, I know that, that uh, moments before I'm going to make one of the most important and defining decisions of my life, I'm complaining, whining, protesting, totally flipping out. Verse 13, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid, stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. So Pharaoh's army is approaching. Moses is standing firm. Moses tells the people to stand firm, and he's got this great line, the Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. Now, before you go crocheting that into a pillow, though, you might want to see God's response. Verse 15 The Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. So I just kind of imagine God, you know, listening to Moses saying, The Lord will fight for you. And God's saying, Yes, yes, that's right. And then he says, you need only be still, and God goes, no, 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 no. (laughs) There are times where we need to be still, but this is not one of them. God tells the people, no, to Moses, he says to Moses, no, they need to keep walking. And the answer there is walking where, right? They are, again, they are the meat in a bad sandwich here. Are they supposed to walk back to the Egyptians and see if they want to slaughter them or enslave them? Or are they supposed to walk into the water? Well, again, you may know how this goes from here. But verse 21, Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry land with a wall of water on their right and on their left. Now, you can search the Internet for hours to see hundreds of different opinions of exactly where this happened. This was in a desert, so it's sort of hard to pinpoint things in a desert exactly where you are. But what we do know is that God, in one of the most recounted miracles of all history, sent a wind so strong that it split the sea open. And for a night, the Israelites walked on the sand of the sea, as the sea itself was walled up on either side of them. God told the people they needed to walk, and then he made the way. Now, Pharaoh was faced with a decision. Was he going to follow the Israelites into the Red Sea, or was he actually going to let them go like he said he would? In what became a very costly decision, Pharaoh and the army kept pursuing the Israelites. At some point in the night, the Bible says, the Egyptians realized they had made a huge mistake, but it was too late. As the new day dawned, the Israelites had made it to the other side, but the mighty wind ceased, and the two walls of the sea collapsed, killing the entire army Pharaoh had brought with him. The Israelites realized that they were free. The Israelites realized that God had miraculously delivered them from their oppressors. In fact, their oppressors would never harm them again. And so in verse 15, chapter 15, verse 20, we learn this. Then Miriam the prophet, Aaron's sister, took a timbrel in her hand and all the women followed her with timbrels and dancing. Miriam sang to them, sing to the lord for he is highly exalted both horse and driver he is hurled into the sea miriam is the sister of aaron and the sister of moses she grabs a timbrel this is like a tambourine she grabs a timbrel and begins to sing and dance she begins to celebrate that god has delivered the people from slavery she leads the people in worship to sing to the Lord who has saved them from the Egyptians. And by God's grace, her words were recorded forever in the Scripture so that we can still learn from her today. So that's kind of the notes of the Israelites and the Red Sea. I want to now move on to sort of the three takeaways that you could garner from this passage on how to live by faith. There's surely more than three. Here are the three I'm going to point out. The first one is this, number one, number one, number, 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 number one. Faith is not the absence of complaining or even flipping out. Faith is not the absence of complaining, parenthetically, or even flipping out. Because when you hear the phrase, live by faith, I don't know, does that seem like some lofty thing to which you could never really aspire? I know I feel that way sometimes, it's like I just got done yelling at the kids, like how am I going to live by faith now? Like if I live by faith, I've got to be praying all the time. When someone cuts me off in traffic, the only thing that will come in my mind is, my goodness, I hope they have a wonderful day. (laughs) Or I'll be facing some really weary years of life, but I'll walk through it with only grace and a quiet resolve. The Israelites, though, as our guide, as our example, they show us that living by faith doesn't always look so noble. Living by faith sometimes looks a little rough around the edges. Sometimes we'll do the right thing moments after we've done something that in retrospect is really embarrassing. And this is because God's goodness is more evident in our weakness than in our strength. God's goodness is more evident in our weakness than in our strength. And so when difficult situations send you into like complaining, protest, or even full-fledged flipping out, that doesn't mean that all hope is lost. You can still live by faith. I can still live by faith. By God's grace, we can still live by faith because faith is not the absence of complaining. And sometimes the most remarkable, defining faith moment in our lives could come moments after or moments before we are totally flipping out. Number two, point number two, is that forced faith is still faith. Forced faith is still faith. Here's what I mean. The Israelites did live by faith. The Israelites are commended for how they lived by faith, how they trusted the unseen God, His good character, His redemptive plan. They walked out into the Red Sea. The water walled up on either side of them. Now, before you walk out into the sea with the water walled up on either side of you, and remember the sun is going down, it's night when they walk through. Before you walk out into that, there's a question you need to ask yourself. Like, is this really a good idea? Couldn't this end badly? But they did. They walked out. They trusted God. They trusted God's plan. They trusted God's character, and they acted on that trust. But think about it from a different perspective. What other choice did they have? I mean, their only other choice was to stay where they were, and see if the Egyptians wanted to slaughter them or take them back into slavery. So they did walk out into the Red Sea, water walled up on both sides, the sun going down. That's a scary proposition. But what other choice did they have? And so this is why I call it forced faith. (laughs) They did live by faith. They did have faith. They did trust but largely because it was the only viable option left. The good news is that forced faith is still faith. It is still commendable. It's still pleasing to God. Forced faith got the Israelites into Hebrews chapter 11. We see something similar in the ministry of Jesus. At some point in Jesus' ministry, some of His disciples were starting to desert Him and so he looked to his closest disciples and he said, are you guys going to desert me too? And, and they said, and this is kind of a paraphrase, that they basically said, well, where else would we go? Forced faith is still faith. Maybe you've had a similar experience to this, or maybe that's kind of why you're here today. You're here today because you've run out of other options. And so, this Jesus thing has got to work. Forced faith is still faith. Or maybe you think about your own uh, faith journey, and you came to faith in Christ. You put your faith in Christ. You ask Him to forgive you and transform you, largely because it was your only viable option left. That does not make you a second-rate disciple. Because forced faith is still faith. It is still commendable. It is still pleasing to God. And God does amazing things in the lives of people who've trusted Him because they had to. So that's number two. Number three, number three, number, number, finally, number three. Living by faith means anticipating a celebration. Living by faith means anticipating a celebration. So the first two points, that faith is not the absence of complaining and that forced faith is still faith, those are kind of like good news, right? Like you can fit in this thing too. The, The people who are commended for living by faith are as thrown together as you and I are. But this is a question of like, how do I actually practically, tangibly live by faith? Living by faith means anticipating a celebration. And here's what I mean. When the Red Sea collapsed back into place and God's people were delivered, Miriam led them in singing. Miriam led them in dancing. Miriam led them in worship. But the Bible mentions like a little detail that makes me rethink the whole passage. And the detail is that when Miriam leads the people in singing and in dancing and in worship, she grabs a timbrel. Now, where did she get the timbrel from? Right? Like, it's not going to be on the floor of the Red Sea. And then, in fact, some of the other Israelites, they grab timbrels and they start playing the timbrels and singing and dancing and praising. Where did they get their timbrels? Is there like a garage sale that got left out somewhere here? It seems to me where the timbrels came from is that they packed them before they left Egypt. that in the mad dash to get out of Egypt, where you imagine they're grabbing only the things they most need, only only what has to come with them, only, only the things they want to lug through the desert, right? There's no U-Haul here. If you pack it, you carry it, or you find someone to help. And so probably some stuff's getting discarded along the way because they overpacked a bit. In the mad dash to pack to leave Egypt, they packed their timbrels. They anticipated that whatever was going to happen, whatever was going to happen to them after they left Egypt, the one guarantee was that they would get to worship God. The one guarantee was that they would need to worship God. They would need to celebrate God's goodness. They would need to celebrate that God was going to do something. Something was going to happen. God was going to do something that would warrant celebration, that would warrant praise, that would warrant worship. They packed their timbrels. They anticipated celebrating God's goodness, that God would deliver them or that God would be faithful even if God didn't change the situation that God would be faithful they anticipated celebration but then things got pretty dire and they totally flipped out but then through a miracle God forced them to have faith and at the end of that they celebrated So there were some pretty rough miles between the anticipation and the celebration. But what it means to live by faith, one of the things it means is to anticipate a celebration. Honestly, this cycle sounds something like me. Maybe it sounds something like you. Anticipation gives way to protest or complaining or flipping out or whatever you want to call it. Anticipation gives way to complaining, to protest, which gives way to forced faith, which gives way to celebration. It's what the Israelites did, and they were commended as people who lived by faith. In all their imperfection, they show us what living by faith looks like. God, in all his grace, receives our imperfect attempts to live by faith. And our imperfection again and again pushes us back to Jesus, to celebrate Jesus. Because if you're a follower of Jesus, or if you ever become a follower of Jesus, we celebrate our lives do not depend on us because we are imperfect. It's really hard to build a life on an imperfect foundation and so we celebrate that our lives depend upon Jesus who is perfect who lives by faith perfectly he offers us forgiveness that we cannot earn he offers us purpose that we cannot surpass he offers us the security that we cannot replicate ultimately he will welcome us into God's eternal presence because God will extend to Jesus' followers the inheritance that is due only to Jesus. So the question I would ask you to reflect on as I sort of wrap up my part of the service would be this. How can you better live by faith based on the example of the Israelites at the Red Sea? How can you better live by faith in in 21st century USA How can you better live by faith based on the example of the Israelites at the Red Sea? And what I hope you see in all this is that God does great things even in the midst of imperfection. Even in the midst of your imperfection, even in the midst of my imperfection, God does amazing things. So as you look to the future, Do you anticipate a celebration? Do you anticipate the need to celebrate? You can. You can. And that this is part of the definition of what it means to live by faith. Trusting the unseen God Trusting God's good character, trusting God's redemptive plan, the redemptive plan that He has already played out through Jesus, but the the plan that He continues today to play out through Jesus. There is a grand celebration coming, and and there will be, be little shows of it before we even get there. They packed their timbrels in the mad dash to leave Egypt. no matter what we are going through we could learn from that we could learn from Miriam and from her counterparts let's pray together let me give you a chance to to pray to talk to God or to listen to God about whatever He's stirring up in your heart or in your mind, through His Word, through, through the words of the songs, just take a quiet moment for personal prayer. Lord, I pray that as we look into the eyes of Jesus, we will realize that a celebration is coming, that good is coming, good is always coming, that He has enacted God's redemptive plan through His life and death and resurrection, and that Jesus will continue to enact God's redemptive plan in each of our lives. By the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, I pray for those in our congregation today who are going through things so uh, heavy that that celebration seems miles away. It seems a Red Sea away. I pray you do something miraculous, even if the miracle is just getting them through each day. Lord, I pray that we do live in anticipation of celebration in our families, with our roommates, in our neighborhoods, in our community, and in each of our lives. We thank you for Jesus, on whose perfection we build our lives. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and worship together with our voices, our offering, our prayer requests, our serve day forms.